Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, June 14th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in the New York tri-state area. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Jaya Joyce. And here are today's headlines. New York City's public school teachers have a tentative new deal with the city. Mayor Adams announced the new five-year-plus contract that will give teachers about a 3% annual raise. Teachers could also see significant increases to their retention bonuses. Starting salaries for teachers with a bachelor's or master's degree will also increase over $10,000. But one of the most interesting creations from this deal is a new virtual learning program for students. The new initiative would expand remote learning options for students who can only attend classes at night and on the weekends. Officials say teacher participation in this new program is voluntary. Opponents of the new contract say it's going to cost the city too much money. Reports ballpark it at more than $6 billion. But Mayor Adams says he hopes this new contract will help the city retain and expand its already scarce teaching workforce. New York City now uses a new system in primary and special elections for all local offices. It changes the way residents are able to vote for who they want to be in office. WFUV's Jay Doherty explains how it works. It's called ranked choice voting, and it was enacted in New York City through a 2019 ballot measure that changed the way New Yorkers vote for their local offices. Here's how it works. Instead of just choosing one candidate, Voters have the option to rank up to five candidates in order of preference. If any candidate receives more than 50% of the first choice votes, they win outright. But if no one reaches that threshold, the counting process continues in rounds. After each round, the candidate with the fewest votes gets eliminated. Now, here's the interesting part. If a voter had ranked the eliminated candidate as their first choice, their vote is transferred to their next highest ranked candidate who is still in the running. This reallocation of votes keeps going until there are only two candidates left. And then, the candidate with the most votes at the end of this process is declared the winner. Experts say this system is designed to offer voters a greater range of choice. If your first place candidate doesn't win, goes in last actually, then you still have some sort of vote, right? Um, I think that's sort of the, the driving factor. That's Rachel Harding. She's the chair of the Campaign Compliance and Election Law Group at a New York City law firm. She says that the use of ranked choice voting is a big shift, not just because it gives voters more choice, but also because proponents hope it may make politics friendlier. You know, there's another driving factor. I'm not quite sure how much this has played out, that it creates a sort of friendlier campaigning environment instead of being cutthroat and candidates going after each other, uh, especially personally. Um, The whole point of this is for candidates to kind of join forces. You know, the system is still new to New York. Only time will tell. But certainly people, I think, want that friendlier environment. So I think that's a positive for um, constituents as well. But it's not all perfect. Harding says the lack of continuity between federal, state, and city voting systems is going to create a lot of confusion for voters in New York City. You're having ranked choice, Manhattan this happened, right? You're having ranked choice voting in almost every election on the ballot. You flip over the ballot and then all of a sudden it's the DA's office and you have to only choose one, right? I think that's very complicated, uh, confusing, and quite honestly creates a sort of um, distrust in the system of why am, I, why am I voting this way and flipping the ballot and voting the other way. So if a system offers voters more options, does it always end up being more confusing? Let's ask Dr. Jordan Ellenberg 
a professor of mathematics at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I want to separate out mathematical challenges from political challenges. Mathematical challenges, honestly, I think no. I think this is a pretty simple system. People have been talking about it for many, many decades. We kind of know how it works. I think politically, this system captures the will of the voters better, but there's no question that that will be a political test. The goal of any system is obviously to capture the will of the voters. On the surface, this task seems obvious, but things can get tricky when you have complex elections with more than two candidates. That's when the math equation turns into a political science question. The one thing that we know mathematically is there's just really no way to define what the will of the voters is, right? I mean, the voters want a lot of different stuff. Some of those things yeah. are in conflict with each other. And so, you know, often, I mean, there are many elections where it's not close and it's very clear what the will of the voters are. But in a complex election where things are close, um, unless there's just two candidates and the voters are choosing between them, there's simply no one obvious thing to mean by the will of the voters. Dr. Ellenberg then makes a good point. Terms like fairness can often be too ambiguous in the context of voting systems. As citizens, we're left with no choice but to trust in a particular system. Dr. Ellenberg says the ultimate goal of any voting system boils down to one word, legitimacy, or ensuring that everyone agrees the system is seen as valid and credible from start to finish. I would say probably the best goal we can hope for is what you would call legitimacy, where everybody involved, whether their candidate wins or loses, can say, okay, the rules were what the rules were, they weren't cooked to favor one candidate or another. People felt they had their say. And, I, you know, I think that RCV actually will provide somewhat more legitimacy than the current system, exactly because people who don't closely identify with one of the two big parties, I think very rightfully will feel much more like they have a chance to have their say. That's a huge number. Like if you look at what percentage of Americans identify as Democrats and what as Republicans, that's probably like roughly tends to be about a third each and then the other third don't. That's a lot of voters. And within the academic community, the opportunity for election officials to have more data to work with as opposed to less is a plus. And in Dr. Ellenberg's eyes, a step in the right direction. So I think for a long time, there was a general idea that, well, ranked choice voting, theoretically, it makes sense, but it's going to be too complicated for people. People are going to be confused. People are going to like revolt against it if you ask them to do it. I think several places have rather boldly decided to take the step of actually trying it, and New York being one of them. And I think all the evidence is that it works fine, and people are not confused. I, I, I kind of thought it would always be like a curiosity that sort of like academic societies would use to vote because they're like, well, we know this is a cool method, but it'll never catch on in general. It, it's, um, you know, it, it, it makes you feel like sort of progress is possible, even in our sort of somewhat calcified political system. Early voting in New York City runs from Saturday, June 17th to Sunday, June 25th. Election Day in New York is officially on June 27th. I'm Jay Doherty, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Jay Doherty explaining ranked choice voting in New York City. Music lovers can enjoy a free concert in Central Park tonight. But not just any concert, David. The New York Philharmonic will be having its annual show on the Great Lawn. The show starts at 8 p.m., but it's suggested to arrive a little early with your picnic blankets and a good snack. And don't forget to stay after the performance for the fireworks. There's also another free event in the city tonight. This one will celebrate queer pride in the Bronx. 
Pride in the Boogie Down is hosted by the Office of the Bronx Borough President and will include dancing, music, and performances. For more information on how to join in on the fun, visit bronxboroughpres.nyc.gov. And on this day in 1965, Paul McCartney recorded the Beatles' hit song, Yesterday. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the ballad is the most covered pop song of all time. It's also one of the Beatles' most unique songs. Paul McCartney famously played the ballad live at Shea Stadium in New York with nothing more than an acoustic guitar. In a weekly segment on the What's What podcast, we'll be delivering the latest music news. WFUV's Rosie Lenz called in to tell us all the latest headlines. What's new in the world of music, Rosie? David Byrne will welcome 12 live musicians to his Broadway show, Here Lies Love. The decision comes after Musicians Union Local 802 pushed back against the use of pre-recorded music. Byrne says he wants the audience to be engaged in a nightclub-like environment. He plans to keep the artistic integrity of the show with the unexpected change. Previews of the show will begin June 17th. New York Hot 97 is hosting a celebration for the 50th anniversary of hip-hop this September. Mariah Carey and Maxwell will host the event, which will include performances from the Wu-Tang Clan, Mary J. Blige, EPMD, and more. Wow, can you tell us more about the kinds of performances? Absolutely, Jaya. These artists are unique selections. They're not all hip-hop, but they found ways to incorporate hip-hop into other genres of music. The show will take place on September 15th at Madison Square Garden. You can grab pre-sale tickets now. And Rosie, what about global music news? Is there anything we should be aware of? Well, David, people might be surprised to hear me say this, but there's some Beatles news. Paul McCartney has used artificial intelligence to insert John Lennon's voice into the last Beatles song. The two remaining Beatles, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, extracted Lennon's voice from an old demo. They then used AI to clean up the audio. But we're still not sure what song will be released, so more to come on that. Wait, so let me get this clear. AI helped create this song? Do you think we'll start seeing this happen more in the music industry? Well, Jaya, it definitely opens up a new avenue in the music industry. But the use of AI hasn't been without its hiccups. Some artists have had their voices being used in the past without their permission. Thankfully, this doesn't seem to be the case for the upcoming Beatles song, though. That's great. Anything else to round out the news? Well, the British band, the 1975, have announced dates for the North American leg of their tour, still at their very best. The tour includes a stop at Madison Square Garden on November 14th. Tickets go on sale starting June 21st. And that's all for me. That's very exciting. Rosie Lenz is our music reporter at WFUV. Rosie, thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. See you next week. And that's our show for today. I'm Jaya Joyce. And I'm David Escobar. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, and culture. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.